It's often something that people wonder about, but so as well is the chase and what really is going on. Now, when you're talking about trying to find that special someone in your life, you get to a point where if they're all about the chase and not about anything substantive, you got to realize this just ain't worth the time. You know, I mean, you got to understand what the end game is for that person. When it comes to coaches, though, oftentimes the chase for being the best version of yourself, much more than chasing players. I don't think coaches in this day and age like that. They understand it's a necessary evil. But the chase for being the best version of yourself is what drives so many of these coaches. How often have we heard the Tony Bennett soundbite that we played regularly? For in due time, you'll reap the harvest. I know I'm paraphrasing what he has said, but the essence is keep after it. We're chasing to be the best version of ourselves. And now that the Virginia Cavaliers and, and you know the we for Tony Bennett and that team, they've won eight in a row, it's easy to sit there and go, oh, that's what it leads to. But it's also easy to reinforce that. But when you're winning and you start to see some payoff, it can become a rewarding thing. And that's why for Liberty this past weekend, and again, there are always the parallels that are there. Um, you know, Virginia is kind of a, a souped up version of what Liberty is with all due respect to the Flames. Let's call the spade a spade. One program has made multiple second weekends of the NCAA tournament, including a trip to the Final Four, which they won with the national championship. The other... They've made it to the second round once, and that's no knock on Richie McKay. Plenty of other highly successful programs. You know, Vermont's an example of it. They've made the tournament regularly. They've never made a Sweet 16. Doesn't mean they're not a good program. Not everybody is Florida Atlantic, even though it's more possible now to be that or Gonzaga or anyone else than ever before. But you start to see the win, and I do think there's power in that. Because listen, remember, and listen back and remember what Richie McKay said after the Flames' 67-65 victory this past Saturday night at UTEP when the, the Flames got to within a couple games of 500. They're still 3-5 and five in Conference USA play. It's a little bit of Murphy's Law. Like, it was... If it can go wrong, it, it, it will. And we uh, we held together. Guys made a couple of big plays. You know, Zach Cleveland put so much pressure on the defense. And, you know, Kyle Road is, you know, his, his contribution to our program over his five years have been immense. And so he goes 0 for 7, 0 for 4, and 1 point. Like, that, that's very unlike Kyle Road. So given the circumstances and the – this box score not looking like it usually does. Uh, you know, I thought I thought Zach, Caden, Colin made some really big plays, and Brody made some really big plays down the stretch. Richie McKay, and there's been frustration, but I don't look at the way he was frustrated in that game against New Mexico State as an indictment of his interest with this particular team. I don't look at any of the losses that way. Now, we've mentioned before, and we've played the sound bites for crying out loud, from Richie McKay, that the deficiencies on this team relative to what they're facing are obvious. They're a smaller guard lineup in a conference with bigger guards than what Liberty saw in the A-Sun. Or at least big, big by the sense of taller and thicker. In the A-Sun, you'd often get one or the other. And Liberty could compensate by being shorter but having guys that are fairly well-built and certainly very tactically gifted and very well-coached and positioned. 
It's different in Conference USA. And Richie McKay and Liberty understand that. But uh, here's the thing. The idea that McKay is burned out right now, I could be proven wrong. It would not be the first, and it certainly won't be the last if this is the case. But at the end of the year, if Richie McKay just said, all right, I'm done with the way college sports are going, but I don't get the impression that's the case, in part because he's at a place in Liberty which aligns with his values, and he's got an athletic director in Ian McCall and a fan base that, while I get it on social media, people are upset and frustrated, especially when Liberty loses, and you know all things rational happen in the world of Twitter. And by the way, we are thankful for our followers at Fastlane, Edlane, Twitter, Insta, and Facebook, but... Here's the way I kind of also look at this, having covered Richie McKay for a couple of years, been around him for a while, and and listening to his tone. So Richie McKay met with the media today, and we discussed among the topics how this team has evolved now that we're essentially at the halfway point of Conference USA. Officially, they are eight games through a 16-game COSA slate, but they've yet to play Middle Tennessee. That's the only team they haven't played. That changes tomorrow, by the way, in our spot. Go home, the Bel Air! And they've already played Jacksonville State twice. But how have the Flames evolved at the halfway juncture? This is a much more broad philosophical answer, but there are three parts to this, and I don't think any of them indicates that this is a coach that is disenchanted with what he has been dealt of the move from the A-Sun to Conference USA and his roster being equipped or still needing work to fully compete at that level. It would depend on how you define evolve, because again, if success is only related to us having more points than the other team, then we're fourteen and nine and three and five. So you could you could speak to how we've evolved or not. Richie McKay, look, he'll, he he has been more than willing to acknowledge that a component of how this program is measured is the win-loss record, which is good because fans ultimately care about it. At the end of the day, you're going to be judged based on that. But he's great, Richie McKay is, at setting the narrative and tempering fan expectations. But the other part to this is it's not wrong. He's pleased with the way this team has evolved, I think, relative to what they have. But like what I see from our group and their commitment, their ability to navigate uh, negative opinions or frustration or not winning or like I, I love them. Uh, and I think I think our growth and the unity that has been created in, uh, in our locker room, in our house, has been phenomenal. Navigate negative opinions. I mean, was that a shot at us here in the fast lane? It was not, to my knowledge, because he never really pointed me out or deadpanned me or gave me any indication. And I was there in the press conference uh, a little bit earlier today in... Go home, the Bel Air! But it's not wrong. He speaks glowingly of the fact that there is progress with this team. I think he's keenly aware of the limitations to them. But this is not the same to me as like Nick Saban at Alabama, where what you're, rel- what you're used to and what you're accomplishing that year are different. 
I think at Liberty, in part, it's hard, but I don't think it's impossible to build a roster the way they want. Now, they're going to need to hit on these freshmen who've redshirted and, you know, the growth and development for them. I, I push back on the idea that if they were, you know, ready, you would burn the redshirt. I think at some point you're committed to the redshirt and you end up seeing it through. And you do need guys that are willing to do that. Uh, and the telltale sign is going to be also, you know, a couple of roster spots. Do they go with, you know, Juco routes or do they go with bounce back guys? And I'm not saying guys that have character questions. I don't think that's likely to happen. But from an academic standpoint, Liberty is a spot, with all due respect to Liberty, you can handle guys that are bounced back from a JUCO. This is not Virginia that we're discussing here. Sorry, but let's keep it real here. There's a different academic standard between the two places. But it's also culturally speaking. Guys that fit in with Richie McKay, will they play defense? Do they want to buy into that? Are they faith-based? Again, that's nothing to do with grades. None of that does. But are they guys that fit that particular mold for Liberty? But here's the thing. The questions of whether Richie McKay is fully burned out on this season, I think he answered them fairly emphatically today. Now, again, this could change if they end up losing you know, five of their next six games and they end up with a five win and whatever it is, five and 11 record in Conference USA play. But here is Richie McKay finishing the thought of how this team has evolved from the start of Conference USA play to what's now basically the halfway point. This is why I think as a coach... I think every one of our coaches would say this. It's a privilege to be around our dudes. Now, I mean, we're, we want to win the game. We run in such a way to win the prize, right? Uh, but we won't be. We, we will not be defined by this. We, I've said it. I've said it when we cut nets that this program won't just be based on the outcome of the scoreboard. Uh, I think that's a trap, especially in today's uh, today's culture. Uh, but I, I love our group. I love our chances, and everything we want is still in front of us. So uh, I'd say we've evolved because we we are maturing, and that that growth is always good for a man. Richie McKay, you know, I haven't gotten the impression of being fully burned out. Frustrated, yes. Uh, realizing that wow, this is a lot harder to win in Conference USA than it is in the A-Sun. I think that realization clearly hit him a while back, and now they're just dealing with it on a regular basis and dancing with the girl you got, so to speak. Um, And you can change that at the end of the season if you're Liberty and and backing out of players or uh, adding and adjusting and tweaking your roster. And Again, I don't put it past him, but if you're Richie McKay, I think the attitude is as good as possible. And I say that having been around coaches and seen coaches where you kind of wonder what the level of burnout really is and how they're going to handle when things are not going well relative to what they're used to with success. Kind of saw that with Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia. I'm not going to throw... Tony Elliott into that because he's young and you know he's only in year two. I've got my doubts he's the right, the right guy for the job. But we, we've seen this in other spots where you sense the level of disenchantment from a coach in a particular situation and they're almost fighting to just get to the end of the year where they can ride off into the sunset. That never has struck me as where Richie McKay is right now. As long as he's given the leash to win the way he wants to at Liberty, I, I do think by and large he's willing to go about it that way. Pivoting away though from Liberty to something else that's worth discussing and we're not going to get into great depth in NASCAR this week here in the fast lane. That will happen next week heading into Daytona Speed Weeks and the chance to make our season long prognostications. Woo woo! As uh, well spoiler as Spoiler alert. Uh, his will feature a lot of tie gifts. <laughs> oh we will cover that next week in the fast lane Trey. But they got to this point with the clash, 
where they had to race it on Saturday. It drew 1.5 million viewers. It was substantially down from the first iteration two years ago in L.A. and even the second iteration last year. But I think it's, a, again, we said this yesterday, and of course, if you want to go back because we keep receipts. And guess what? We keep receipts. At Fastlane Ned Lane, where you listen to podcasts. But I, I was very pleased if I'm NASCAR with getting to this point of just doing the race when you did. Because of everything that unfolded and the difficulty of pulling it off at all and pulling it off on a Saturday versus not at all, it looks better to have pivoted in a world where NASCAR previously would have tried to somehow buck Mother Nature because we're going to stand our ground. Yeah, good luck with that. The weather really doesn't care. NASCAR didn't do that. And it means more when you're willing to criticize the sport as this guy has often done. Denny Hamlin, regularly speaking, but... Very praiseworthy of NASCAR, and honestly, for a guy that's kind of a negative Nancy at times, and certainly finds fault with NASCAR, he struggled to find any fault with how they handled the clash. I think we should consider tonight a success, only because if it didn't happen tonight, it was not. I just don't think it was going to happen at all. And so while you know there were be some people that are upset about not being able to use her ticket for tomorrow, they weren't going to use it Monday either. So, and, and then Tuesday, I'm not sure was an option. It, it just was, this thing was just going to snowball into uh, a really straining the teams, um, all the people here at the Coliseum to have to get this thing converted back over. Um, tonight was the only option to get this thing in, and I'm really happy that NASCAR you know, made unprecedented changes to, to make sure that the fans at least saw a race. That was Denny Hamlin speaking after the race. I know it's easy to sit there and go, well, you know, he's very praiseworthy of NASCAR. He's towing the company line. Trey, you've discussed this ad nauseum on the Front Stretch Happy Hour podcast. and Starts uh, next week. It does. I can't wait for it to drop. Along with, yes, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm excited for bringing the heat with Brian Nolan as well. Um, you know, it's got a special place in my heart. We're cooking. Defining the phrase special is, is not something we're going to do today in the fast lane. But... For Denny Hamlin, this guy that's critical of NASCAR regularly. So when he's that effusive in his praise tray, it does carry more weight. And I I struggle to disagree with him that for NASCAR, you were going to either push it back a couple of days or you just were going to grab it while you could. And Saturday night with college basketball as your competition, but after the Carolina Duke game, which you heard, of course, on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, after that, He had a chance to salvage it. And 1.5 million viewers on four hours notice on a secondary TV channel. This was not Big Fox. This was FS1. It's as much of a salvage as you could get for NASCAR. And maybe not the best scenario, but it was the best case scenario given all the circumstances. It just turned out to be the only choice. You're you're working in a lot of constraints. And um, it's just, yeah, it ended up being like, go look. Again, I said this yesterday. Like, they have his, they had historic rainfall over the last three days. So, like, you need there are certain personnel that need to be at these type of events that weren't going to be at this type of event if you didn't do it on Saturday because the resources had to be given to somewhere else. It's just this was the only choice, and they made the right one. They did. They deserve all the praise and credit in the world. NASCAR does for exactly how they went about handling this. By the way, there are a lot of other NASCAR nuggets and storylines that we'll get to within the next week, but probably next week when you talk about catching you up on drivers that have switched teams within the last few months, because there's been a number of those, plus other developments that we'll get to later. But the development that's positive for you, 
is the fact that you can still save on the best meal you could imagine for this Valentine's Day at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Yamada Japanese Barbecue. They have got a wonderful experience. Authentic Japanese yakiniku. It's the way the meat is prepared. You can do a hibachi-style meal. You can do the fancy sushi. You know me being kind of a bougie guy that I am. That's the route that I would go. But whatever you prefer. Yamada Japanese Barbecue and the gift cards are back for you at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now, other topics to address right now before we delve deeper into the Super Bowl 540 today. Brian McFadden, friend of ours from CBS Sports and Ben Cates of NewsAdvance.com on high school sports. That's coming up soon, but right now, other topics in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Everybody thought this would be the end result, and it is official, that is. Nick Saban to ESPN as an analyst, mostly on college game day, but I'm most excited because he's going to be on the NFL draft. He'll probably be on the game day one of the NFL draft that's on EBC. Probably, but he'll provide some level of insight and analysis that you wouldn't normally get from just regular college football commentators. Um, and I, Again, I think Kirk Herbstreet's fantastic on college football games, but he's not my cup of tea with the NFL. I like guys that have played at that level or coached at that level and been there. And Nick Saban, people forget, but he was a head coach in the NFL. He was an assistant for a number of years, notably on that staff with the Browns, with Belichick, back in the early to mid-1990s. But for Nick Saban, if you've followed what he does, he documents the game extremely well and makes it compelling. He, more than anybody, would be the type of guy that would give me much more of a noteworthy reason to tune into game day, which I don't do with kids now and too much going on on the schedule to make that a priority, especially when you're at a lot of games as we do for the fast lane. But Nick Saban is the type of guy that would make me actually go, wow, I really want to hear what he has to say because the insight and analysis and authentic feedback is just that good. Speaking of the SEC, by the way. Number four. According to Sports Business Journal, SEC officials have joined the Big Ten officials who have come out and said, quote, you can wait for the courts to decide things or you can have the courage to chart your own course. The Big Ten source, by the way, continued. There's no nefarious intent here. Our partnership with the SEC. This is an honest effort to solve the issues we are facing. Define nefarious. If by nefarious we mean doing what we think is best for the overall brand and game of college football, that's garbage. Because we all know that the Big Ten and everyone else, the SEC, are operating within their selfish interests. They just happen to have the most power. The Big Ten and the SEC do. They have lots of power. As our friend Melissa McCarthy reminded us on that infamous Saturday Night Live skit. But if you're talking about actually harmful, I've said it plenty of times. I don't like the fact that you've got these conferences that are going to freeze everyone out and chart their own path. But considering the NCAA has never wanted to take a leadership role, I at least admire somebody for doing something about this as opposed to just sitting around and waiting for things to happen. Number three. The Virginia Tech Hokies announced contract extensions for every on-field assistant coach with the coordinators being locked in through 2027 and others through 2026. So change is inevitable and will come. Whether they have a great year this coming year and guys get plucked away for bigger opportunities or 
they regress a little bit and there's the desire to make changes in Blacksburg. But this is the type of move which shows, again, you're financially invested in the success of your program. You factor that in with the NIL money that the Hokies have allocated to players in the transfer portal and locking up all of their key contributors recently, and that is a real positive for Virginia Tech. It just continues an offseason filled with lots of optimism. Number two. Speaking of optimism, the Liberty Flames adding a transfer, former Louisville, and before that, Dartmouth, offensive lineman John Paul Flores. One year of eligibility remaining. Uh, Size is the big component. This dude's big. 6'4", 308 pounds for Liberty. He's got pretty good athleticism. Injuries at a times have been an issue, but he's a guy who played for Virginia, as we all remember, recently starting six games there. You could question the quality of coaching he got in 2022, but Boston College had a pretty good offensive line last year, and he's a guy that has also played very well when he was with Dartmouth in the Ivy League. For Liberty, it adds depth at a position, especially with Xavier Gadlin off to the NFL, where they need guys to compete for spots for Liberty. There's a guy with some potential for Liberty, and you're going to have to take flyers on these guys, but you also have to trust you have the staff to develop them, which on Liberty, I would be optimistic that they do. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Short-term pain for a long-term gain. That temporary restraining order sought by the attorney generals of Tennessee and Virginia's Jason Miaris have been denied by a judge in the Eastern District Court of Tennessee ruling, and here's where it gets funny, quote, considering the evidence currently before the court, plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim under the Sherman Act, end quote. It's almost like they just said, we don't want to deal with this, so we're going to keep passing this off knowing where this is going to end up going. So the NCAA gets to rack up some more billable hours for some lawyers somewhere. They get to continue to pretend like they're doing something, even though we know how this is going to end. And the court's basically saying, yeah, that's how this is going to end with another defeat at the hands of the NCAA. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the fast lane, not much defeat. Lots of winning is what we were recognized with down in Alta Vista this past weekend. Somebody who was there covering it for newsadvance.com, Ben Cates, steps into the fast lane next on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.